Six Figure Developer Podcast, the podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. With us today is Rob Bogue. Rob is a speaker, author, and consultant. As owner of Thor Projects, a premier consulting organization in Indianapolis, Indiana, he helps clients make the complicated simple. Welcome, Rob. Well, thank you, gentlemen. So, Rob, uh, why don't you tell us kind of how you got into the industry and then finish with what you're working on these days? Yeah, sure. So, well, so first the earth cooled, then the dinosaurs came, right? Um, so I've been doing technology forever, it feels like. Um, you know, I did assembly language on both the 886 and 6502 and wrote C and like I just I just did all kinds of just weird stuff. Um, and I grew up with this kind of schizophrenia about me. Like on the one hand, I loved doing infrastructure and racking stuff and putting it all together and plugging in all the wires. And I love that. And then on the other side, I love writing code, right? Like for me, like I could lose days. I suppose it was really hours, but it felt like days that I would just lose as I'm writing code. And so I had this schizophrenia about me and then... I don't know, about 2000, I started getting involved with this thing called SharePoint. You might have heard of it. It's kind of a big deal. But, you know, I I did SharePoint until about, oh, 2003 or four. took a short break. And then I came back to it um, about 2005. And it has been uh, a large part of my career since then. You know, it's only a part of it because I really got pretty darn frustrated with these beautiful technology projects. I don't know about you guys. Do you guys, have you ever done that thing and you're like, you get done with it and the technology and you're like, yes, this thing is beautiful. And then none of the users use it. And you're like, I hate my life. This is stupid. <laughs> what am I doing? Right? And and that kind of led to two different things. And I think we'll talk about probably both projects. Um, one is burnout and the other one is is change. But what happened was, I started getting really bummed out that I do this beautiful stuff and then nobody would come and use it. And so that's led me away from the technology. I still code. Like, you know, I was I was in Visual Studio today, right? It's not like I don't code, um, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff I do as well. So about 2005, I started, uh, I was writing for Tech Republic at the time, and I wrote two articles on burnout. So it's 2005 and I really didn't touch it since then. And about 2018, my wife and I got really kind of burnt out. It wasn't about work though. Like everybody goes, oh, burnout, it's about work. No, it was very much about a family situation. It was a situation where, you know, we, we had kids that are, that are adults and near adults. And funny thing, they don't always do what you tell them. (laughs) And, and so we were kind of burned out about that. Uh, and so we did, so we've done some work on burnout. And then on the other side of it is, is I got, you know, I got really bummed out about 
the fact that people weren't using this cool technology I was building. And so I tried to figure out and learn about the art uh, and the practice of change management and how do we how do we get people to use this really cool stuff that we're building uh, and use it for valuable things. We've covered burnout just ourselves a, a time or two on, on this podcast in, in previous episodes, but nothing to the degree that, that sounds like you've done research and documentation and, and in even a book on the subject. What are the, the types of things that you came across in assembling all this information on burnout? Typically, it's like you said, it's thought of as, oh, it's a work-related thing, but it's also more time management and, and all the, the external stressors on top of everything. Well, so let, me, so let me tell you about what the classic definitions are, what we learned about it, and then let's tail and let's talk about stress a little bit because I think stress is an important part of it. So, so first of all, historically, a guy by the name of, of, of Herbert Frudenberger uh, wrote about it first, and then uh, a researcher by the name of Christina Maslash uh, started writing about it. And she and Susan Jackson came up with the Maslash Burnout Inventory. And that basically took Frudenberger's work and it kind of categorized things into three buckets. And the first bucket is exhaustion. The second bucket is cynicism. And the third one is inefficacy. And they said, look, if you have these three things and you're in burnout. The funny part about that is you've been exhausted. I've been exhausted, right? You've been up all night coding. That doesn't mean you're in burnout, right? It means you're improperly caffeinated, but it doesn't mean you're in burnout. <laughs> so this exhaustion thing is kind of a red herring. It's this exhaustion. I can be having a time of my life and be exhausted, or I could be in burnout and be exhausted. So, so we kind of push that one aside and say, that's eh, not all that useful. The second one is cynicism. Now, here's the thing. You get cynical when you feel like you have no control or influence. Think about this. The old people you know that sit on the front porch and they rock and they read their t paper and they, they complain about the world, these cynical folks, they're cynical because they don't think they can change it anymore. So 90% of developer life. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and just look at it this way. We are all preconditioned to be really good old grumpy men. Right. Like this is really good conditioning and it could be uh, and sorry and grumpy women as well. Right. So this is the thing. So we get to the third criteria and it's inefficacy. I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. This thing could be causal. This could be that bug we're looking for. And what it is, is if you if you take apart inefficacy and then you connect in the work of Marty Seligman. And Marty Seligman and his peers came up with this idea of learned helplessness, right? And it's, hey, you know, you shock the dog, the dog doesn't move because the dog doesn't think it can move. Now, there's a whole thing about his colleagues figured this out with a functional MRI machine that it's actually a lack of learned control. But let's skip that for a second and stay on learned helplessness, right? That's burnout. Think about this for a second. So we said it's inefficacy. Well, that learned helplessness... What I'm doing doesn't matter. It's not going to make an impact. I can't make any change in my circumstances. I can't do anything. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Like I'm going to eat worms, whatever it is. So now, now I've got a core. Now I know what I can do. Right? If it's in efficacy, then I can figure out what do I do about those feelings of inefficacy. 
And I want to come back to the breath of model, but I promise to come back to, to stress because stress is a super important thing. I know we all feel it. I know that it's a part of our world, but here's the thing. We have a lot more control over it than we think we do. So from a physiological, neurological standpoint, stress was designed through our evolution to handle a short-term situation where we needed all of our resources dedicated to solving it. The problem is, is humans are really, really good at simulating and we're really, really good at taking this stress response that was designed for short-term, really short-term stuff. And what we do with it is we go, man, I don't know about the mortgage and ooh, the market doesn't look good. And, and what if I lose my job? And right. And so what we've done is we've taken this thing that was short-term and we've extended it. Here's the problem. Payday loans, predatory payday loans. <laughs> yeah, those, those things are evil. It's a never-ending loop of, of pain. Yeah, but here's the thing. That's what stress is, right? Stress is I'm going to take a short-term loan on my long-term future. Stress says I'm going to shut down digestion and I'm going to shut down immunization and my immune response. I'm going to shut down all that stuff because I want energy in the legs for running now. But overall, you got to pay those loans off right? Your body has to restart your stomach. And that's part of the whole ulcers. And yeah, it's called by halorpecti, but not stress. But but stress has an impact because it shuts down digestion and the restart while well, the virus to get, get away from it. So it's really, really awful stuff. A lot of folks say the stress is a part of burnout. And here's what I'll tell you is yes, but an aggravating factor, right? Because what happens is you're paying all the interest on all the stress loans that you're taking, and that makes you feel ineffective because, in fact, you are less effective. You are not getting the yield because you're stressed and your body keeps doing all these stress payday loans, and then you're spent all your time spent paying for the interest. I told you I'd come back to the bathtub model because I want to do this. So here's the thing. It's great to say that burnout is bad and it's it's all about feeling ineffective, but that is totally not useful to you, right? What do you do with that? You're like, oh, well, I'll just be more effective. Well, if you could be more effective, you'd do that already, <laughs> right? Like, right. I'm not telling you anything. So what we came up with was a model. Actually, there's two models in the book. Um, and the book is Extinguished Burnout and SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. They published it for us. Um, but the first model is what we call the bathtub model. And the bathtub is bathtub filled with water. The water is your personal agency. This is your ability to get things done. There are three things that fill your bathtub, and there are there's one thing that takes it away. And so the things that fill your bathtub are first your results, your actual results, the results you let in, the feeling that hey, you know what, I did a good job, right? Nobody's using my thing, but it was really cool that I did it. The second is support. How do I feel supported by other people, and how do I feel more efficacious? If I have other people's support, the third one is this idea of self-care, right? And I don't know what self-care is for you. You know, it can be long walks on the beach. It can be fishing. It can be playing video games. It can be whatever, right? But what are you doing for you? Not for other people, not for all this other stuff, but what are you doing so that you can be a better you? So those three things fill the bathtub. So you want to open those things up just as wide as you can crank the valves, right? I want I want as much results as I can get. I want as much support as I can get. And I want to do as much self-care as I, I can afford to do because you've got to spend time to do that. 
that's fine. So we know we got valves on those. How do we increase those things? The one that's on the bottom is the drain. The bathtub drain also has a valve on it. This is one of those things that I know lots of people struggle with. I know I struggled with. I know lots of friends that struggle with it, right? Because as a developer, we can do anything. The question is, how much does it cost us? The question is, in time, money, dollars, whatever it is, how much does it cost us to do that thing? And so how do you learn how to turn the valve off? How do you learn how to go, "Mm, that demand ain't worth it, right? Like, yes, I could spend two whole days and nights and not shower, sleep, see my friends or the family or do anything. I could do that, but that's a really bad idea. And so that's a bathtub model, right? Increase your results, increase your support, increase your self-care and learn how to say no. That's really interesting because that's that's when I find that I approach and or get to the line or blow right past the line into burnout is I feel like I've committed myself to too many different projects. I've overcommitted. I've built a house of cards. I'm, I'm dependent and I'm reliant on outside influences that I have no control And if one of those dominoes falls, then the whole house of cards is going to just come toppling down and I'm just going to end up weeping in in a corner by myself. Yeah, I think there's this interesting there's this interesting thing. So you have in your bathtub a an amount of water. And as long as your water level is like mid level, like, yeah, yeah, I'll do whatever demands I want. But here's what a lot of people do. They get down, do you know, like when the bathtub doesn't drain really well anymore, like there's this just little bit of water and like you leave the drain open, right? But not a lot of water is trickling out and there certainly isn't much left in the bathtub. That's what I call reserves, right? What happens is people get all the way into their reserves, right? They get all the way into them. Problem, something breaks, like you have a project blow up at work or you are counting on somebody to do some support for you and they just didn't do it. They, they, they either flake or they tell you no or whatever. And then you're not happy, right? Like you're not going to, that's not going to work. Uh, and so what, what we try and help people understand is, look, it is not selfish of you to maintain reserves. It is not selfish to say, you know what? Yeah, I could do it. I probably wouldn't overextend myself, but I might. And I just don't do that anymore because the recovery cycle, once you get all the way out of personal agency and you're like, oh, it's all the way drained, it's really hard to refill your personal agency. It's really hard to get up. And it's not quite a payday loan, but it's a loan, right? Like you're borrowing against your ability to get things done because you want to help so many people. Now, my wife's a nurse, right? So she co-wrote the book with me. She's an advanced practice nurse. And one of the things that nurses really struggle with is, and this, like you guys are all going to be here with me, right? Put your own mask on first. You've heard that. They've heard that. Nurses have heard that. Our daughter's a nurse too. Like they've heard it, but they're like, no, I I can put the mask on them first and then I can put my mask on. No, you're going to be unconscious. How do you recognize that you need to be, you, you've got to take care of yourself and nurses in particular feel really guilty about that idea. See, I have, I have, I guess it's a similar problem to John's, but uh, kind of a different angle. Like I have to hear the water circling the drain. Like if it's not open wide enough, I will create more stuff for me to do 
so that I have a certain amount of my time and energy filled. That amount of, of time and energy isn't dependent on what else is going on. Like I have to have so many things going on because if I don't have them going on, I, I just have a craving for them or I completely shut down. But the, the problem is <laughs> the amount of things is is on that borderline of way too many things where where you get to that point where you just stop working anyway an inch below the reserve line or a, a centimeter below the reserve line and i'm still like well, let's open the drain wider because i i've gotten used to i guess the the sound of that water draining out so let me offer you a couple of thoughts here right uh, first of all you're what I call a carp stir. Okay. <laughs> I may have misspelled that. I, I think there's another way to say that. <laughs> um, in French, it's married. And you, and you have to have that, right? And I'm not, and by the way, I, I belong, right? Like I'm not the president, but I'm, I'm definitely a member. But here's the thing. What I learned, the trick I learned to that deal was I started making more of the things that I generate uh, self-care things. Like instead of it being for other people, instead of the like all the things and I, I have to have the volume and stuff, right? Like I, we wrote a book in six weeks and I, and we're doing this change stuff and we, I've got the SharePoint Shepherds. Oh, yeah, I've got stuff. We talk about the fact that we do the impossible every day, right? Like that's just the normal. But what I did, what I did is I started figuring out what are those things that I'm going to do that are still activity, right? Like still make me feel like, ooh, I'm busy and also are self-care. I roll over of a morning, so the alarm goes off about 5.30. Some mornings, I wake up before it, some mornings after. I roll over and I start reading. And I probably get an hour of reading, on average, probably an hour of reading every day. I'm going through a book a week, and I'm writing a book review. So every Monday, 8 a.m. on my blog, you're going to find a book review. Now, what am I reviewing? Ah, it might be marketing. It's never technology. I'll warn everybody there. Like, I'm not going to, there's not like C sharp 16.7. You're never going to see that kind of a book, but there's a book review every single week. And that's because I had to figure out how to take some of that energy and put it into things that I would consider to be self care. And I do. And I love writing and I love reading and I love learning. Um, and that's my self care. But for the folks that are like you, Clayton, that are that are saying, "Hey, I gotta, I gotta have stuff going on," that's me, right? Like I, I figured out how to turn those into self care things. You could almost call the extra things that I pile on self care, but I also hunger for a challenge, so I am constantly pushing those self care things into the realm of overworking myself on my self care. Like I wanted to learn a little bit of uh, machine shop stuff, like how to how to make things out of out of metal. So I decided I was going to make my own metal lathe where I was going to melt down aluminum cans and pour the metal for the lathe. And then using the lathe and the foundry that I used to melt down the cans, I have a long term goal of trying to make a car like casting the engine block. Sounds totally normal to me. I, I don't know about <laughs> other people, but for me, that That'd be the kind of thing I'd do. I have a tendency to go somewhat overboard with things, even the things that are intended to give me a chance to relax. I do have a good like work cutoff. Like I, I work the hours that I'm supposed to work, and unless I myself have generated some kind of bug, that's typically it. I don't do a lot of extra work because somebody has some deadline. I know that the deadlines are fake, so it's it's you know I will put in the work that I can during the hours that I can. 
but I do tend to fill my schedule with as many overly complicated projects as I can. While those things are somewhat enjoyable, they also add to the stress that is causing me uh, some form of burnout. So let me tell you about a project that, that, so here's the thing. I've gotten comfortable with the fact that I can fail. I've gotten really comfortable with the fact that I can fail and it's not fatal and it's okay. You know, if you create a car, awesome. Uh, just tell me where you're going to be so I'm not there. Um, <laughs> and if you don't create a car, that's okay too. Man, how many people have forged aluminum on their own? You get that place in my head. You're the only guy I know that has built his own forge. Oh, it is fun, and I get to hit stuff. But this is the thing, right? Like, yeah, if, you, if you're if you all wrapped up in it, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's got to be, then then absolutely, it can be burnout-inducing because it's no longer self-care. It crossed over into an obligation, a demand, mm-hmm. instead of a, man, I'm doing this because I want to learn how to forge metal. We have a thing at my house, which is like, you know, there's done, there's overdone, then there's bogged. Right. Like my last name has become what is an adverb or an adjective or something. I didn't do so hell with it. But like that is a way you do things that for me, I just don't know any reason not to do it anyway. So. All right. So we're, we were talking about burnout. We talked about the bathtub model. We've talked about the fact that it is the three things. What we did not really get to is it work only. The WHO, the World Health Organization, has said it is job-related, right? Workplace-related. But there's some magical things happening, right? So they say that, and then everybody's like, oh, it's just for work. No, it's for any place you feel ineffective, right? Like, you're feeling ineffective because you can't make a car yesterday or tomorrow or something. And and I'm feeling ineffective because I can't get this stupid circuit to behave according to the laws of physics, right? I can get burnout on anything, but we don't think that way. We think, oh, well, it's a job. And then what do we do? We change jobs. Guess what? We get burnout again. Why? Because we're still the same. Burnout comes with us and it comes from our family when the, when the kids won't do what you want them to do and the, when you're struggling with your relationship with your wife or your, your significant other. It just comes because you feel ineffective. I find that if if any of the the items on my to-do list, whether it's work or home or or whatever the case may be, if that right combination is present and and one of those dominoes falls, then that is what happens. And it could be a domino at work. It could be a domino at home. It could be a a domino at an extracurricular activity. It, it, It doesn't really matter, but the result is often the same is that I have to call bankruptcy on on my to-do list and and scrap everything and start over. So what do people do? We know that we need to do better. We need to identify those those stressors, those items that are dragging us down, those those things that we need to address or those things that we shouldn't address. We know that we need to increase our our self-care and 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 treat ourselves better. So what do we do to alleviate the problems that, that we inflict on ourselves? The biggest thing is, is changing the way you think about things, right? We talked about put your own mask on first. You know, the, one of the big things, particularly for one of our daughters, is 
self-care is not self-indulgence. That is just one of the things that is struggle is a struggle for her. What are the things that you're doing and how are they truly filling you up? You know, humans became the dominant biomass on the planet, but we did that through our relationship with other people. And I'm an introvert, right? Like, so I'll, I'll talk 50 times a year before COVID. I would talk 50 times a year on stage and I would ask people, am I an extrovert or an introvert? And they'd be like, oh, you're an extrovert. You're, ah. No, I'm not. I'm an introvert. Absolutely strong introvert. And so when I tell people, introverts, like, hey, you should think consciously. You should consciously consider your relationships with other people. And what are you doing to build those relationships up? And they're like, oh, I'm an introvert. I don't like people. I one time said to an extrovert, and she didn't understand it. I said, I don't like people. I like persons <laughs> individually, one at a time or two at a time or three at a time. But put me in a room of 500 people and you have a recipe for me wanting to shoot myself. I think that when you learn how to think about things differently and evaluate the actions that you're doing and ask yourself the question, is this filling me up? The thing is, is when you start to pay attention to what is it that I'm doing why, why are my thoughts and why am I doing it that way? You can often find that there's stuff you just don't have to do anymore. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. And this is a family story. So my grandmother, my dad's mom, she was the matriarch of the family. And she did Thanksgiving dinner. And I mean, she did Thanksgiving dinner, right? So my aunt took that over when my grandmother died. And she did that for a couple of years. And what would happen is she'd spend like three days cooking. Uh, everybody would eat for an hour, hour and a half. They would go into the other room. They'd pretend to watch sports and fall asleep. So we, so this went on for a while. And then we figured out there's this whole trade imbalance. The deal was she was putting in way more demand, way more energy into this than everybody was getting out of it. So Change the model. What we do is we go to the Indiana State Park Ends. So Indiana runs ends at the state parks. Guess what? They have a Thanksgiving dinner. It has everything that you'd ever want. It's got mashed potatoes and noodles and ground gravy and turkey gravy and, and gravy. And like, it has everything. We changed the whole model up. Guess what? Way better for her. She's not burnt out anymore, right? She's not pouring all this energy in with nobody giving her the results and the support and the feedback, right? And so what are those things in your life that you're doing that don't generate return, either for you personally or for the people around you? What are those things where there's this trade imbalance? One of the important factors that can prevent burnout or, or heal it, I guess, is, is support from others. Yeah. So if you are a manager, a coworker, a friend, a sibling, a spouse, how do you recognize burnout in someone you care about or someone that you're managing. And then when you do see it, is there anything that, that you can do to help with that? Or, I mean, they can't, they can't be stuck on their own because support is a big thing, right? Right. So, so let's, so first let's work, work on identification, right? And there are burnout inventories, and blah, blah, blah. And in fact, if you go to the extinguished burnout website, we've got a couple of them. You can take them for free, right? But the short version is look for learned helplessness. If you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden you flash on Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, that's a clue. Okay. 
All right, so that's the identification piece. Now, the question is, what do you do? Well, so if you use the bathtub model, it's really simple. Figure out how to manipulate the bathtub for them. Help them for manipulate the bathtub, right? Like, so if your wife cooks a good meal and you're like, oh, she's a great cook. She always cooks good meals. Guess what? Stop that. Tell her, man, this was amazing. I know this is the same meatloaf we have every week, right? And we've, I've had it a thousand times, but you know, the thousandth time, it's still really great food and I really appreciate it. That's results. That pours into her personal agency. Support. Hey, I'm going to go take the kids and um, we're going to go do our own version of Mythbusters and blow something up. And so you can have your own time to do whatever. And then self-care, you can't do that for them. Now, you can enable it. You can create space. You can make it okay. You can tell them it's not indulgent. It's it's supportive. Like You can do all those things. Um, and the other thing is you can help them say no, right? Particularly in things that are joint, right? You say, you tell me no, and then we don't go do that thing with our in-laws that we hate anyway. Those are the things that you can do. Now, if I just shift this quickly for 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 business, uh, recognize the results of the people that are working with you. Make sure that they have the right tools and support. How many times have you known that you needed a library or something and you couldn't get it? Create the right kinds of opportunities for self-care and, and work-life balance. And every time if you're a manager and you go to somebody and you say, hey, I need you to do this, the very next thing that can, should come out of your mouth, if not theirs, is, and what do you need to let go of so that you can get that accomplished? What are you deferring? What are you dropping? What are you disregarding? What are we transferring? What is it? Because it your capacity is fixed. And so if I'm going to ask you to do something extra, I got to be willing to give up on something else. So that's the, so again, two pieces. There's the, this is the identification and then, and then how do you help them fill their bathtub? This is great stuff. And I really appreciate all the, the resources that you've got on the Extinguish Burnout website as well. So we'll be sure to include that in the show notes. So you mentioned the Extinguish Burnout website, uh, at least for a while yet. We're going to leave the uh, online course free for anybody. It's normally $100. There's a resource kit there that you can get. You can sign up for weekly emails and videos of kind of helpful tips on burnout. Uh, all that stuff. Please go use it. That's why we built it. Earlier in the episode, when you were talking about building the thing that you're super proud of and it's polished and it's great and you didn't heed the warnings that were from the baseball movie, you, you built it and nobody came. The problem with technology is not technology, it's people, right? And you're like, ooh, you just called our customers the problem. Yeah, sort of. But I don't mean it that way. What I mean is if I can't motivate you, if I can't convince you, if I can't build in you a yearning to do something, to use something, then I failed because you're not going to change your behavior. Lots of people will talk about behavior change and how hard it is, blah, 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 smoking addiction, blah, blah, blah. We do volunteer work with addicts. I get it. Um, it doesn't have to be all that. Um, but you got to have a reason to change. The pain, this is, an, this is an addict thing. This is one of the things that you say when you're trying to help people recover. The pain of change has to be smaller than the pain of staying the same. All of a sudden, wow, Zoom and Teams are amazing and virtual workforces and remote and work from home. Yes, everybody do that right now to the point where there were no webcams left. 
Like they completely depleted the supply chain. It was like toilet paper, right? It was all gone because everybody was now working at home. Now that was COVID. And I don't recommend this as an approach. Like don't start a global pandemic to make your thing the thing to use. So I spent 10 years researching what is now the Confident Change Management course. There are 101 book references. So you think about 101 books that went into, that's the ones where literally there's a footnote in the book that says, hey, go here for more, right? It's 11 and a half hours of content. It's 800 pages of student and exercise guides and and reviews and teaching you how to do it so that you can do it anytime you want. And it's about how do you communicate? How many of us have written a communication plan? How many of us have ever been taught inverted pyramid? This is not walk like an Egyptian. This is what you learn in journalism. How many people have ever written a story? How do you tell a story? How do you get, how do you build intrigue? We were taught in English class that your uh, opening sentence, your first sentence is your topic sentence and you summarize what you're going to say, right? And so how do we write subjects of emails? Blah, 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 right? Your HR department writes, you must re-enroll for benefits, blah, 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 blah. That's awful. Who's going to open that, right? I write a t- I write a subject, five things you have to do or you lose your benefits. People are going to open that. So that's one of the things we teach. But the, for me, the beauty is, is now, instead of having 80% of the things that I build, nobody wants to use. They, they use them, but they don't really like get the full value out of it, right? You know, maybe I'm 50-50. Maybe I'm 70-30. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, winning more than I'm, I'm, I'm missing. And that, that's cool. Because I get better leverage on all this work I'm doing. I'm going to tie it into developers, right? We're all developers here. I built four tools to make that course work. I built one tool. I assemble Word documents because we take each document, uh, each element, and then we mash them all together. And then we create them as a PDF. And you're like, oh, Word saves as a PDF. Right. But it doesn't do fillable fields. And we have 272 different videos in the course. If you want to change the background in 272 videos or you need to re-render for any reason, you either pay a monkey to sit there for a week and a half, or you go write an extension for your video editing software. Because Clayton, I'm with you on doing things over the top. <laughs> it's not hard. It's it's tedious. And, and that's what developers are good at solving, right? Like we can take anything that's tedious and we can make it go away. So we, we've talked about a lot of subjects really honing in on, on more about burnout and, and frustration and, and stressors and self-care. And we've mentioned a few of the resources. Where, where can people go or what are the resources that, that people should be aware of to, to help manage their, their stress levels and burnout and self-care and those types of things? So I'm going to give you three resources that people can go to. And we've already talked about Extinguished Burnout, extinguishedburnout.com. It's got an online course that's currently free. We've got resource kit and uh, weekly videos and emails if you want them. For change management, there is the Confident Change Management website, and it has a resource kit as well. You can sign up for free. There's a course that is online async. We mentioned it's got lots of resources in it. There's also the reference list from the course, those 101 references, 
And they all point back, they're all linked back to a book review on my blog. And the blog is at thorprojects.com, happens to be slash blog, but you can hit the homepage if you'd like. If, if you've got a question about how things work, like stress, that's why zebras don't get ulcers. If you want to know about something else, another book that I've read, if you want to think about mindset, Carol Dweck's work, if you want to think about Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, who does flow, um, there are books, book reviews on that. So every single week you're going to get a book review out of thorprojects.com, confidentchangemanagement.com for the change management stuff and extinguish burnout for the, for the burnout stuff. And oh, by the way, if you still do SharePoint, I have also SharePointShepherd.com, and it's got a bunch of resources there that are many of which are free, but some are, are licensed. Excellent. Thank you very much. So one of the things that we ask all of our guests is to give advice to our viewers. Uh, many of them are either just getting started or looking to accelerate their career moving forward. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who is looking to do that? Never stop learning. Never, ever stop learning. In technology, it's a treadmill. And people say that, you know, technology changes every blah, 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 blah. Fine, right? I still have devices that use RS-232 communication, serial communication ports. You cannot tell me it changes all that often. But what you can tell me is I always have to be learning. I have to be learning something new. And whether today is I've got to learn about AI or ML or augmented reality or, or virtual reality or whatever it is, you have to keep learning. If some of our uh, listeners wanted to maybe reach out to you personally, is there or listen to uh, words of wisdom that you might give on a, on a frequent basis? Uh, is there any social media accounts that you use that they could follow or tweet at? In truth, uh, the Thor Projects blog is the is is a very good place to reach me. Um, I am on Twitter at Rob Bogue. You're, you're going to get a mishmash of stuff there, but it is. It's me, right? Like it's all raw, unedited me. If you are a developer and you're listening to the podcast and you want to uh, you wanna connect with me, find me on LinkedIn. Tell me, hey, I listened to your podcast and I really liked it. And I'll probably connect with you. If you say, I listened to the podcast and I thought you were an idiot, I'm probably not going to connect with you. Just to be honest, right? Just maybe. Well, Rob, this has been great. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, guys. It's been fun. That was Rob Bogue. Rob is a speaker, author, and consultant. As owner of Thor Projects, a premier consulting organization in Indianapolis, Indiana, he helps clients make the complicated simple. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com. And catch us live each week on Twitch, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at SixFigureDev. This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I am John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. 